Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to Super Bowl week. And welcome to episode 209. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. The big game is almost here. And this week was also a big game for American politics. And with spy balloons flying overhead and Puxatunny Phil saying we've got six more weeks of winter coming, this is definitely a time to stay vigilant. Frank one. Flash one. TLI one. That is a kill. The balloon is completely destroyed. Splash one. The balloon is completely destroyed. That's audio from Frank Zero One, an F-22 at a Langley Air Force Base calling Splash One, confirming to codename Huntress, Eastern Air Defense Sector EADS, that the Chinese spy balloon was completely destroyed somewhere off the coast of South Carolina. Yes, the big spy balloon from China was completely destroyed. But the drama and controversy and stupidity is far from over. And our friend and frequent guest on this show, Dan Lamoth of the Washington Post, the great defense reporter, confirmed with defense officials on Saturday that there had been previous incursions involving balloons over Texas, Guam, Florida, and Hawaii. So balloons from China have been flying all around, almost as often as the stupid. And as soon as the images of the balloon hit the media, the stupid began to spread higher and farther than that damn balloon. You had to know it was coming, like the crowd watching and waiting for the kickoff to start a new game. But instead of a football game, it was another game of ridiculousness asinine behavior, and political shenanigans. It came right on cue. So as the balloon was floating overhead, the stupid was rolling all across America below, like people doing the wave in a packed football stadium. And the lead surfer on that wave, of course, was the radical and ridiculous Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who tweeted, Literally every person I know is talking about how to shoot down the Chinese spy balloon. It would be great if an average Joe shot it down, because China Joe won't. Regular Americans can do everything better than the government and actually care about our country. So that's what she put out. And the stupid grew and spread faster than the number of bandwagon-jumping Chiefs and Eagles fans. And I had to post a public service announcement to the world and to the country. Do not shoot at the Chinese balloon. I had to explain it to people. Because as we learned the hard way in Iraq in 2003, after Uday and Kusei Hussein were killed, when you shoot bullets up in the air, they come down. And because the Super Bowl champion of stupid, Marjorie Taylor Greene, was one of a number of elected officials encouraging people to shoot at it, I had to post that. 
the same Marjorie Taylor Greene, who demanded that metal detectors be removed from the floor of the Capitol just two years after the insurrection. And she had a big week of stupid. She's like the Tom Brady of stupid. She's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And we saw it again at the State of the Union. Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. Now, I hope you avoided all the cable news chatter, the big media self-licking ice cream cone, and watched it on C-SPAN instead. Because C-SPAN didn't have all the banter and all the partisan spin and all the shenanigans of the big corporate media that's rotting so many brains around the country and perpetuating the stupid. But the State of the Union happened, and the State of the Union is always a critically important time on the political calendar. And I have some thoughts. First off, every State of the Union, the Joint Chiefs have to attend. The leaders of every branch of the military have to sit there in uniform, stone-faced. They can't clap, they can't laugh, they can't stand up. And here's an idea. Wouldn't it be better for America if the Joint Chiefs didn't have to attend this political thing? But the rare moment of unity you can always count on at every State of the Union is any mention of our troops or vets. But a substantive focus on vets is usually pretty rare. Last year, Biden admirably focused on burn pits, and it got the PACT Act for veterans to a place where passage was inevitable. We covered it on this show. And this year, Biden focused on vet homelessness and suicide, which is important and overdue. But given the insane division in this new Congress, even getting something done on those universal issues is unlikely. Because that's our pathetic 2023 Washington reality, where the stupid and the division has infected everyone. Now, I've been a guest at the State of the Union twice. It's a political spectacle of the highest order. But it's also surreal and humbling to be inside. And always historic and important to witness from wherever you are. And there was a lot packed into it. And overall, I thought it was a strong, confident, moderate, populist version of Biden. This version of Biden and things that he focused on are very popular with independent Americans especially. This version of Biden is the one that got many independents to pick him over Trump. Most Americans weren't watching that thing. But if they were, they would have seen a huge focus on infrastructure. Now, for years, we've talked about it on this show, and I've used the hashtag, our infrastructure sucks. It's undeniable. It's also undeniable that Biden admirably got an infrastructure bill done, a historic infrastructure bill. And it's likely to be the most significant and most lasting part of his legacy. And he and the Dems are smart to prioritize it. They'd be smart to do the same thing for the next two years because it's extremely bipartisan, it's extremely popular, and it's especially attractive to independent Americans. There was also lots of bread and butter populist stuff that appeals to independents. Biden talked about airline fees and hotel fees and cable and cell phone companies ripping people off. He smartly, at least politically speaking, stayed away from some of the most radioactive stuff. And when he did, he hit it pretty quickly, when he talked about the border, when he talked about guns, when he talked about abortion. Because the bread and butter populist stuff, 
that's the stuff that's key to his re-election, especially with independent Americans. Now, there's never enough focus on education, which I think is extremely important to most independent Americans. And as a parent with a kid in free public 3K right now, I can attest that that investment is a true game changer for kids, for families, for working people, for our country. We have it here in New York City. And in my view, America should have it everywhere. But the focus on education was a good one and a smart one. Another effective part was when President Biden spoke directly to the family of murdered 29-year-old man Tyree Nichols. His parents were in the audience, and Biden talked directly to them. And nobody can talk to and about pain and loss like Biden can. He's uniquely effective as consoler-in-chief. Now, eventually, he got to national security in Ukraine. Not soon enough. It was like the 45th or 50th minute. And it was a good message. But not enough to prepare America for the long, hard, expensive, bloody road ahead in Ukraine. And, of course, and sadly, there was no mention whatsoever of Afghanistan. There's no single issue that Joe Biden wants in his rearview mirror more than Afghanistan. The great American betrayal of Afghanistan continues. Our friends and allies continue to be oppressed, hunted, and killed in what I call Forgotistan. And Biden didn't even bother to mention it, which was shameful and outrageous. Now, there was a good focus on veterans and on veteran suicide, which is a critical issue, taking dozens of lives of veterans every single day. But since he was so focused on vets and highlighting VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, who's not a veteran, by the way, how about changing, finally, the exclusionary VA motto? We've talked about it on this show. The motto right now doesn't include women and doesn't include caregivers. And it would have been such an easy thing to announce at the State of the Union. And it's such an easy thing he could have done two years ago. We talked about this with Amy McGrath and Kristen Rouse and others, and you should check out Operation Liberty, the project that I launched with Allison Jaslow and Amy McGrath for more. You can find it in the show notes or operationliberty.us. But overall for Biden, a strong speech, much more moderate than it could have been, and much more moderate than his Democratic Party. And it was filled with fight and with fire, and lots of it on behalf of the little guy or gal with some patriotic overtones, which will be especially effective with independent Americans. He projected populism, experience, compassion, fight, and had a really smart focus on infrastructure. Now, he's not going to change any Republicans, especially with the assault weapons ban intensity, but he gave red meat to his Democratic base. He avoided the toughest stuff like China, Afghanistan, and extremism, and he came out unscathed. So in the end, the State of the Union was a great big warm-up for the 2024 presidential election. Have no doubt, Biden is running again. And he's running with a head full of steam. And so is Trump. The rematch is coming. Until it's not. Unless one or both of them is sick, in jail, or dead, it's going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. And independent Americans will again be the difference. It's going to be a wild and divisive two years, so brace yourself. And it included a Republican response by newly elected 
Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee. You may not know, but Sarah Huckabee is now the youngest governor in America at 40 years old in Arkansas. And she gave a weird and twisted, mangled kind of speech. And she talked about this story of a soldier who gave her a patch. And she twisted this story of a soldier giving her a patch into an attack on her political opponent, Biden, as a threat to American freedom in some twisted and uniquely Trumpian shit. That's a manipulative and effective with some people and dangerous thing to politicize our military. And that's what she did. And she learned it from the master. So it's going to be a wild and divisive two years full of surprises. It's going to be like that hip-hop performance at the Grammys, but shitty. That legendary performance that celebrated 50 years of hip-hop was fantastic. It had some of the biggest names in the history of the genre. But the next few years is going to be like the bizarro version of that. And instead of legendary hip-hop masters like Method Man or Chuck D, who was a guest on this show back in 86, instead of those guys popping out, it's going to be one crazy member of Trump world popping out after another. It's going to be one wild appearance after another, popping out of our past like some weird lost member of the Wu-Tang Clan. But this is not the Grammys. It's our political conversation in 2023. It's our Congress. And it's our national security. And this is no award show. If they screw it up here, it's the future of our country at stake. And as the great hip-hop icons De La Soul told us, Stakes have never been higher. And as we've talked about extensively and deeply on this show over the years, one of the greatest threats to the future of our country and to our national security is what I call the American insurgency. Extremist and extremist groups that are focused on overthrowing and destroying and damaging our government. And this week, there was another story that popped up that you probably didn't see. Neo-Nazi Brandon Russell, the founder of Atomwaffen, which is a right-wing extremist group, a neo-Nazi terrorist network, was rearrested for allegedly plotting an attack on a Maryland power grid. Their plan was to attack five different Maryland power stations with gunfire. These types of stories are happening almost weekly somewhere in America, but way below the radar of most folks. Also, you probably didn't see it, but this week, way below the radar, the U.S. military announced that we're increasing our military presence in the Philippines. This is in response to China. This is in preparation of a potential Chinese invasion in Taiwan. The agreement was announced as Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was in the Philippines. So America is going to be able to position military equipment and rotate its troops into a total of nine military bases controlled by the Philippines, which is very significant. This comes after the announcement of the first new military base for the Marines in a long time in Guam. Meanwhile, in Ukraine, the number of Russian troops killed and wounded is approaching 200,000. This is a sign of just how bad Putin's invasion has gone how hard the Ukrainians have fought, and how critical Western support has been. So Moscow continues to send poorly trained convicts, recruits, and all other kinds of people to the front lines to send human waves against the Ukrainians. And 200,000 have been killed or wounded. That's the entire population of Rochester, 
Richmond, or Spokane. And sadly, Ukraine hasn't been the only place to experience tremendous carnage lately. More than 5,000 people have been killed and wounded when an earthquake struck in central Turkey and southwestern Syria. Entire apartment buildings and entire blocks have been devastated. And I want to give you an update that a previous guest on this show, Jake Wood, who joined us back in 2020, the leader of the disaster response group Team Rubicon, has sprung into action. His team, Team Rubicon, and volunteers from across America are jumping into the fray to try to save lives. When I say look for the helpers, I'm talking about people like Jake Wood. And you can join them. You can join Team Rubicon. You can donate. You can support them. Check them out online or in the show notes. It's times like this when America, the American people, and the Department of Defense can truly rise to a moment and save and change lives. We can win more hearts and minds in moments like this than any combat, invasion, or anything else. It's some of the most underreported and underappreciated work that American troops do pretty often. More often than people realize, American troops are the heroes. And since it's Super Bowl week, Super Bowls are a time for leaders to step up and for heroes to be made. But they're not real heroes. They're professional football players. And most of them are not real heroes. But a generation ago, there was a true hero who played and won a Super Bowl. true legend, whose legend was established the moment he stepped back on an NFL field and was elevated after he made it to the Super Bowl and won four of them. A true legend, who against all odds became the only Purple Heart recipient in history to win a Super Bowl and the only one to win four. He's a legend who is so much bigger than a Super Bowl. He's a legend who will be remembered for centuries. He is a Super Bowl champion. He is an American icon. He is an independent American, and he is our guest in this episode, the great Rocky Blyer. Rocky Blyer was a 16th round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers after he won a national championship at Notre Dame. But before the season ended that first year, he was drafted again, this time by the United States Army to go to Vietnam. And at the height of the Vietnam War, Rocky Blyer was thrust into combat early and was seriously wounded when his platoon ran into an ambush. Rocky got wounds from both rifle fire and grenade fragments in his legs. He was barely able to walk, and his professional career seemed to have ended before it began. But for more than two years, he drove himself. He built himself back. Little by little, he overcame obstacles and fought his way back. He not only made it back on the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he eventually became a starting running back on a team that would win four Super Bowls and become the greatest football team of the 20th century. He and Franco Harris both rushed for a thousand yards 
and he inspired a nation. The hard lessons Rocky Blyer learned early in his life helped him overcome adversity and have paid off long after football. He wrote a book called Fighting Back. They made a movie about his life, and he continues to run his own business in Pennsylvania, a veteran-known construction business called RB Vetco. And he continues to fight for what's right, including the voting rights of independent Americans. He's been out in front and pushing for open primaries in Pennsylvania and open primaries nationwide. We've covered it on the show, and now we're going to talk to him about that and much more. Rocky Blyer is a true hero, a true MVP, a true champion. Not just a Super Bowl champion, but a champion for veterans, a champion for America, and now a champion for independence. Welcome to a conversation with a true champion. Welcome to Super Bowl week, and welcome to the Independent American Super Bowl special. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 209. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, happy Super Bowl week. I am so thrilled, honored, and privileged to bring a guest who is a Super Bowl champion, a champion for veterans, a champion for independence, and a champion for America. Joining us on Independent Americans, finally, the great and powerful Rocky Blyer is here. Well, wow, that's, a, that's the best introduction I've ever had, so thank you very much. <laughs> Hey, for you, Rocky, I'll follow you around and, and, and intro you all day long. Anyway, thank you. It, it is such a tremendous honor to have you on the show, sir. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, working together on, on the independent stuff in, in, in Pennsylvania. We have a lot of friends in common, and I think you're just an incredible inspiration, a role model. And the word hero gets thrown around a lot, but you are a true American hero. And I'm honored to have you on, especially at this moment in, in American history. Well, well, thank you. And uh, obviously, there's a lot going on <laughs> at this moment in American history um, uh, from across the board. But uh, I think, you know, one of the things you're talking about, the independent and the independent votes. And so I was so very happy to be able to be a, a voice in, in that movement of some nature. How important it, 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 it was really um, for veterans specifically to have a voice uh, in the primary races that take place in Pennsylvania. Past history there, that the Pennsylvania was uh, one of six states that did not have uh, that voting right. And it just didn't make sense, like politics. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense what should naturally happen, what should be. But somebody's got to take um, the, 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 the torch, as they say, or be a part of, a part of that movement to uh, be able to at least make aware of the, 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 of the situation. And a lot of, you know, at, at least my position or having to be put into a position of, uh, of expectation, but having served um, and maybe having a voice of some nature uh, or at least a presence, and, and all of a sudden it becomes a responsibility, I feel, you know, just to be able to use that 
platform to say, okay, no, I just think this is wrong, whatever that, that situation might be. In this case, um, just to be able to get the word out uh, and hope that somebody listens uh, and to say, hey, from a military point of view, the majority of veterans you know, are independent voters only because of the position that they've been put in by themselves, you know, and to say, okay, fine, I'm, I fight for freedom. I fight for this country. I fight for America. You know, I'm not fighting for the Democrats, not fighting Republicans. Um, and so I should at least have a say so in the primary. Now I have to decide which I can choose on, on that, on, on the voting matter, but at least give me a seat at the table to have my voice heard. And so, uh, obviously that became sober and, and with the help of so many people uh, in this movement, we got it passed. And so now that there's a voice at, at the table and that becomes, and that becomes part of it. It's not as if I'm, uh, on a platform, uh, stumping for everything that changes, but see if you can use, a. a situation or if you can be put into a situation where where you might have a say so and or somebody may listen to you and that becomes part of your responsibility and our responsibility as americans to be able to stand up for what you believe and um i think what makes common sense rocky you've been standing up for what you believe in your whole life and, and leading and, and setting an example and i want to go deeper into the independent stuff i want to talk about Obviously, football and and the Super Bowl coming up. I want to talk about the state of affairs in America and 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 your personal example and your personal experience. But let me go back to a question I ask of all of our guests: Where are you, Rocky? And how are you? Okay, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, obviously, and so it was like, well, where am I going? <laughs> you know, I always tell people. I said, well, I, I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is just about thirty miles south of uh, Green Bay. And uh, the people said, well, why did you go back to Wisconsin? Well, because I didn't play for the Packers. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you make a home here, and I've been here since I've been a rookie in 1968. And, uh, you know, and it becomes home. It becomes uh, uh, part of who you are and, uh, uh, and part of what had been established here. So it's a great area and a great town, and, uh, and so it's, I, I've been very fortunate in that regards. I have a lot of love for Pittsburgh. I had family growing up in Gibsonia, and I, I actually have baby pictures of me in Steelers gear. Uh, they, they, tried, they tried to convert me. It didn't work. I stayed a Giants fan. But I uh, have a deep connection to Pittsburgh, and I've been honored to know uh, Bill Cower, who, who was on the board with us at IABA and as a friend and a mentor, and so many other folks connected to the Steelers and, and to football. Um, but I also want to want to go back to – ask you, you know, the second part of that question, it's been a wild couple of years, COVID, all the political unrest, you're out there doing a lot of things. How, how are you? Uh, when you look at this, this time in the world, how are you doing in the middle of all this? Uh, actually, actually fine. You know, so as far as COVID is concerned, you know, and so it's like everybody else in, in, in business, whatever it is. And so we had a setback. Now, my primary business, I'm in the construction business here. Um, so, we are a uh, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business, and so we're a minority status uh, since the beginning of that program. Back in 04, have we established ourselves, and throughout those years, you know, we've built 
and mistakes and, and, and been involved and so on and see the evolution. Um, and, uh, and so through, through COVID, and I say over time, at least, uh, we were busy. I mean, we had personnel on jobs and, uh, and so we were able to, uh, pay, you know, salaries and keep people employed and so on and so on. So in that regards, um, that was very, that was very fortunate. And so we've been able to, um, come out of that in a, in a, in a grand suit, uh, and on ourselves or find ourselves in, in a position that it just like, you know, I, I, I say this and it's like not to take advantage of, of, of being a service disabled company, but that was an opportunity. But like all businesses, no matter what it may be, you have to be able to build on it. How do you build on it? You build on it by your reputation. You build on it by the job you do, the quality of people that you have. Um, it, making sure that the project uh, is done correctly. If you need to, if you need to um, uh, fix it, you fix it. You know, if it costs you money, it costs you money to do it. But you don't take advantage of the situation, and uh, hopefully, you know, you build on that reputation. Um, and so I got some wonderful, wonderful people and like every organization, whether it be a sports team, it's all about the personnel that you have and the people that you have. Um, and, uh, and of course I take all the credit, uh, which is rightly so, uh, as a manager, <laughs> but, but it's, but it's, they're on, they're on the job. They're out there. They're interfacing with, uh, uh with those who employ us and, um, and support. We've, 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 we've done a, they've done a wonderful job. So that's, um, that's basically what I get a chance to do. Rocky, everything that you've done in your life, you know, your business career, your, 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 uh, all the philanthropy work you do, your football career, your military career, it's all been, um, the stuff of legend, I think appropriately. So, you know, when I, when I was coming out of the military, I knew about your story. Uh, and I asked you before we went, I, I, I believe you are the only purple heart recipient to ever win a Super Bowl. Is that right? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, um, yes, I am. <laughs> if that's a distinction, yes. You know, that's, one of the, that's why, you know, you say, well, he's a recipient of, you know, X number of badges and so on. And, and it, the Purple Heart isn't really one you want. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes right. it goes with the territory. But, yeah. but notable, notable in that, you know, there's been, especially in the, in, the, in the newer generation, so few people who've served in the military have gone on to play in professional sports. You know, obviously, there, we, 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 uh, we know about uh, Alejandro Villanueva and Pat Tillman and others. But, you know, you, you left a professional career to serve in Vietnam. You were wounded. Uh, and then you went back and, and won four Super Bowls. I mean, this is an incredible journey that you have told so many times. Um, but, but I want to ask you, you know, there's also been this important intersection. I don't think people fully appreciate with your role in the veterans movement in in the Vietnam era. And now in, in my era, and now the next era, you're good friends with uh, our buddy, Shad Mishad, who's been a guest on this show, uh, who I adore. And, and the madman is a legend. Uh, I love him very dearly. Um, but you, you've been in this, in this, in this arena and in this space in a way that really very few, if anybody else has. So when you look back on it, now, Rocky, you know, that, that intersection of your military career and playing professional sports and your activism, what, what, do you, what do you take away? And then when you think about young veterans who are coming home who are maybe trying to navigate their journey, what lessons can you share with them? 
you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if there's lessons. I think it, it, it it's the, the trying the transitions. Transitions are always the important aspect of our, our lives, no matter what they may be. They're trans uh, transcending from high school to to college or high school to a profession or high school to the military or college into the military or whatever, or, or into the business world. I mean, there's these steps that we go through, not that one plans on it, but also one has to have, I, I think, somewhat of a focus or what you want to get accomplished or what you want to do. You know, in, in, in my case specifically, you know, I was, I was fortunate to be in a position and I've always told people is that, you know, like sports or like in the military, um, at, at times, um, it, it, it's what the unit does. It's what the team does. And as successful as that team may be, you get recognized for your contribution to that success. So I am very fortunate to have some great leaders, coaches that, uh, drove a team or got them into a position recognized or, or to win. And so, um, coming out of high school, we'd never lost a football game. Uh, I get a chance to, um, go to Notre Dame. Okay. Now the point of, or the decision of going to Notre Dame wasn't necessarily because if book prior to, uh, that time for me in 1964 as a freshman and at the at University of Notre Dame, they did not have a great schedule, you know, in, in, in the latter part of the fifties and into the early part of the sixties. So it wasn't on my radar as a, you know, the only thing that I knew about Notre Dame was, uh, Kurt Gowdy that had an hour special on Sunday mornings with the Notre Dame games. So that was the only thing I knew about Notre Dame. Okay, fine. And, um, and being a good Catholic boy raised in Appleton was, it was kind of there, but there was a, there was a family friend. I, I, there was a, who owned a restaurant, um, who had gone to Notre Dame. And so, um, so he invited my dad and I down to game to see the university of Wisconsin. And so that was my senior year in high school. And so I kind of saw the school okay, fine. it. You know, I, what did I know? I'm just, I'm 18 years old. I, I don't know anything. I was 17 at the time. Okay. I wasn't even 18 yet. Um, and so, uh, they offered me a scholarship. Well, I don't know why, cause he wasn't going to be the new coach. And anyway, so, um, ultimately and ultimately, and I think this is part of uh, the reason is that, um, there, uh, <laughs> Their recruiting coach or the recruiter who recruited Wisconsin, uh, area probably gave me the best piece of advice. And, and, and I, and I share this because we all have to have shared advice. And he goes, he said, listen, you're going to get a lot of scholarship, offers, you know, from smaller schools, big 10 schools, university of Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, et cetera, et cetera. He said, and every time you go and visit one of those schools, they're going to roll out the red carpet show you a good time and everything that this so by the time you have to make that decision maybe some five six seven weeks later after you visited these schools on what criteria are you going to base your choice he said my suggestion is choose three schools that you would like to graduate from. Hmm. not necessarily play football 
but graduate from only because the fact that anything can happen during that period of time, you get injured or whatever it might be. And, but at least you have a scholarship coming out of that. That, And I thought that made common sense to me. And so obviously University of Wisconsin was one because that was my state school. Notre Dame, second. And then we had a family friend that had gone to Boston College, another mm. Catholic school. And so they said, hey, I can get you into Boston College or to go have an interview. And I said, okay. First one was Boston College, went out there. Loved Boston. Not necessarily Boston College. Right. <laughs> but area then. And I liked that. Went to, went to Wisconsin. It was too big. You know, it just ended. And then went to Notre Dame. And it kind of, you know, fit was then. Then, so here it goes. Then, like every good Catholic is taught to do, what do you do? You go to, you go to church. You get on your knees. And you pray for guidance and direction. And then, like every good Catholic boy, you do what your mother wants you to do. <laughs> and then you go to another place. So, <laughs> so I end up at I, I end up at Notre Dame. A brand new coach just came in. I mean, it wasn't as if they had a history in my hand. Although right. They, had a heralded history before that. A brand new coach, Eric Barsegian, come out. Oh, he was from North Boston. I didn't know anything about Eric but he's the brand new coach that comes in. And who would have it but changes the course and direction of that school? He goes nine and one his first season. And by my year, uh, we're undefeated and ultimately we national championships. Now, just to put it in perspective of today, there was no playoff games back then. It was right. a mythical national championship. People voted on it, but you got the distinction. And because of that, oh, you kind of get recognized, you know? I mean, so I wasn't the biggest and I wasn't the fastest and I wasn't an All-American or so on, but you were part of a successful team and whatever they saw. So I get drafted by Steelers. I was not their first choice. Okay, just to put it in perspective, I did not make their top 10 list. I was the 417th person picked in the draft. I was a 16th round draft. Now, you have to understand, there were 17 rounds. Right. And I thought to myself, hey, at least you're not the last guy we picked. You might have a chance to make this team. And people said, well, how did you make the team back in 1968? Well, do you remember who played for the Steelers in the 60s? That's how come I made the team. During that period of time. And so, you know, and as fate would have it, that's 1968. So what's happening in 1968? Vietnam War is at its height. Most Americans adore troops. We had over 500,000 troops in Vietnam. Uh, and, um, and the draft was part of that um, process. And so, you know, your 1A classification changes, uh, or your student deferment changes to 1A classification. Now you become, and so, you know, on a, being on lot on us, I, I go, oh, okay, fine. You know, in my mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, the only experience I had with uh, the draft was in, when I was in high school and, 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 and watching the Packers. And of course, the Packers were the dominant team during that period of time. And so I would see guys in like reserve units going to reserve meetings. Now, you know, what did your 
18 year old kid or 17 year old at the time. And you go, oh, okay, fine. Now, you know, you're just out, you're getting one eight classification. What happens now you're 22 and you go, well, I guess they put me in the reserve. They, they whoever they are, put me in the reserve. And so then I said, well, obviously that did not happen. And so I got to go through the crack and got my one eight classification. And the interesting thing in that, it was... Um, and they sent you to Vietnam. And they sent me to Vietnam. That's right. And they sent me to Vietnam. And so, boom, I, I end up in, as a grunt over in Vietnam on a line unit, um, carrying an M79 grenade launcher. So that was... And it just, you know, and I got to play 10, 14 games when that happened. And I got that... I got, I, I got my notice. I got my notice. Like thousands of other young men. Time, and there was to report the next morning, the next right. It was the date was like the next morning at 7 a.m. I go, I just got this. You know, don't think you had a week or something like this that get your stuff together. So I went down, and fortunately, they gave me high blood pressure for 24 hours so I could get my affairs in order, so to speak. Uh, and then I was off to basic training and, and that whole part of my life. Um, and Rocky, I mean, it, it's so grounding, I think, for folks to hear about that, you know, that, that, that immediacy of that. And my, my father used to tell me uh, that his, his, his father picked up a letter and he felt in the corner and there was a subway token in it. And he looked at my father and he said, Paulie, you're going to Vietnam. Right? <laughs> you're getting drafted. Right. And that's how they knew because they sent you a subway token and you had to get on the train and keep going. Right. And, and you and so many other people answered that call. Um, did you ever think about not going, Rocky? Well, you know, so, yeah, as I tell people, I said, You're a pro football player. You had the whole, well, you know, and he's still, yeah, you had options. So we had options. I mean, everybody, and, and people at that. So what were the options? Number one, you could leave the country. Right. You know, some people were going to Canada, you know, the, during that period of time. Not maybe. Okay. Secondly. Um, you could not show up. Consequence, you go to jail. That's even worse, right? Then you could apply as a conscientious objector to the war. You could apply. And some people came through, you know, um, you know but coming out of Appleton, Wisconsin, what was I going to object about? You know, it's always like this. You could join the reserve. Um, that, that was 1968. <laughs> height of the war, those spots were all filled, um, or you could, um, enlist, but that was a four year commitment being drafted was only two years, you know, and say, well, okay, when, what I'm going to do, I want to wait to come back and play football. So you just the least option and that's being drafted. So, you know, if you, you do your time in Vietnam, which you've talked a lot about, you know, you go to the Steelers and, and come back from an injury, you go on to you and Franco Harris rush for a thousand yards, you win four Super Bowls, but I think even more importantly, in my view, you you have become a person that America roots for, that America trusts. I, I consider you, especially given your perspective now, kind of a conscience for this country. And every time I talk to you, I consider it, you know, it's so invaluable. And I, I hope my kids can hear this and other people's kids can hear this. This week, the president is giving the State of the Union address. Rocky, you've been around a lot of things. You've seen a lot of things. What do you think the state of our union is? What is the state of America right now in your view? 
Well, you know, there are some decisions that had been made um, by our current president that I did not um, view as great decisions, you know, after the fact that he made decisions. Um, part of it was our, our leaving, uh, um, um, Afghanistan, Afghanistan, excuse me. Thank you. Just say leaving Afghanistan. I, it just, I mean, and, and the way he did it and so on and so on, it's like, it, it just, and, and, and the second part was, and the second, it was, you know, closing the, um, Oil drilling um, dependence on on oil here, you know, and 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 stopping. So all of a sudden, you know, decisions that had been made based on not necessarily common sense, you know, and not not that I mean political world understand what's taking place, but just from an outside person, you know, as an American, you, well, why, you know, mm. you know. And so, anyway, um, I'm not really necessarily looking forward <laughs> to uh, listening to this message, um, although I will, only because I want to see what, from his perspective, how he sees um, the changes that had taken place and what our position is. And I, you know, and I just, and I come back and, and, and it's just, it, it just a common sense kind of thing. The middle, what's the best? No one's ever talked about what is the best for the majority of the Americans, you know, people, because the, the, the majority of the American people they aren't fighting the far, the, the far left or the far right. I mean, they, they, they want to just to have a heck, they want to have a good life opportunities that exist at this time. Let's make some common sense, you know, decisions on how we move forward on um, as we, as, as, as life goes on and, Talk about electrical vehicles. We're talking about um, the other aspects of our, our society, and you go, okay, fine, that that'll come. But what's happening now? What are we doing? You know, we're making decisions. So, but how do we support this? And you know, and so I, rather than being a strong right or strong left, let's have some uh, discussions. You know, not that. We necessarily need to agree, but at least let's sit down and talk mm. uh, and walk away and walk away as, 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 as friends, uh, you know, hopefully come to a middle ground, uh, that we can, that, that we can continue to build this country up just within, you know, the, I mean, just a crime rate that, that has taken place and the news that we see, I suppose it's the news that we see, um, and, uh, how it affects our, uh, our sense of the, the question is, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, and, and that, and that leader just hasn't come to the forefront yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm not necessarily saying, um, there's, you know, politics are politics and, and sometimes it gets to be a point, you know, for instance, I mean, just see, is it, so not, not that it's a big deal, but. Social security, you know, social security is a big deal. You know, social security is the, 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 it's based on the fact for those who work, those who put a money aside, you know, to take care of their needs as we establish and that's what social security. 
not to take care of everybody else. You know, I mean, this doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, yes, yeah, some people are, have a job, some people have been in a position to, you know, uh, to work. And but the whole thing was the, was built on the fact that the American people did not necessarily save. So here was a savings account to put something for the future for you, depending on how you worked and what you've done. So it's my effort, whatever it is, the amount of money that I could put away within well, then we got the whole government thing and using Social Security as a, there's a pot of gold. Well, we can, you know, we can actually borrow from it or, you know, and, well, and use it. And so now we're in such a state that we'll never be able to be in, get out of Social Security. Now we want to, we want to redefine what Social Security is, even for those who had the chance to put money away. And now, and it's just, it's a question that goes, that's not fair. We were built on the, the fact is, okay, you work, we put money away, we take, we set, we set some side, money aside because we don't believe that you as an American people will save enough money. And that's been true, you know, at times, but at least yours a little pot based on what you, don't take it from my pot. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, what else? Finally. You're touching on a couple of themes that, that I think are really critical to independence. I think to most Americans, especially to people who aren't, you know, active political participants, you're talking about Social Security, you're talking about Afghanistan, you're talking about oil, you're talking about things that I hear people talk about in their coffee shops and their diners at the gas station, right? And you've always been, I think, kind of a, a man of the people. And you're talking about fairness. You're talking about leadership, right? You're talking about whether the system's working for everybody. And I think that's the void that we're seeing in this country, right? And I think that's part of why people look to you. I think that's why you resonate in Pennsylvania when we when we launched this campaign to say, hey, independents should have the right to vote in publicly funded primaries. It's a pretty basic thing, right? It's, right. it's bullshit. It's bullshit <laughs> if a guy like you, who's done all that you, can, you have done, can't vote in a publicly funded primary. That's not fair. It's not right. It's not American. And I think they won't, people won't hear it from a politician. They'll hear it from you because you're trusted. And I think, you know, when I when people say, you know, independents are going to be spoilers or they think about Joe Manchin or they think about Kirsten Cinema, I think real independents are people like you that haven't been overtly political in the past and just talking about common sense. So let me ask you, man, when, when you think about um, this future for independence, and I do see leaders starting to come up that are rejecting both parties. And I think a lot of them will come from the military. I think a lot of them will come from sports. Um, some of them may come from celebrity. You're kind of at the intersection of all of this. And and do you see, are you optimistic about the future for independence, especially after the work you've been doing in Pennsylvania that really broke the I, would, it, I don't know. I don't know whether I can state that I'm over-enthusiastic about that. I, I, it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, uh, it's a movement. You know, so why, why can't we have a third party? Why can't we have a third independent party? Have Democrats, we can have Republicans, but what builds that party? What builds, you know, so now we, you know, have to get people in, in, in place of, of government officials as an independent thinker of some nature. And now we have to get monetarily support for the middle of the road. I mean, it's the outrage sides, you know, Republican or Democratic, 
Um, and so to some degree, you know, we need to get to that middle of the road um, situation. And so I don't know how, I don't know how that happens, you know, and I don't know. but as long as we continue to talk, I think that comes as long as we can get people that, that are either Republicans or Democrats that have that mindset being towards some middle of the road, you know, uh, acceptance of what needs to be done. Well, then maybe we're on the right. Rocky, I think it happens when leaders step up. And I think that's what we saw with you. You know, you know, I shared with a lot of folks outside of Pennsylvania and I said, look, you want to see what an independent looks and sounds like? It, it's not, you know, Steve Forbes. It's not Andrew Yang. It's not Kirsten Cinema. It's Rocky Blyer. Yeah. Rocky Blyer sounds like an independent and he's saying he's someone that people know. They, you got a lifetime of service. You got a lifetime of leadership. You run businesses and you've, you know, won Super Bowls. People trust you. And I think that's what the country is looking for. So let me ask you this. Even in, in Pennsylvania, you had someone like Fetterman that kind of is a little bit independent-ish, right? He's still a Democrat, but he was kind of looking like an independent, sounded like a tough guy, right? Uh, and then you had, you know, uh, Oz, who came in from outside of, of politics and this epic clash. But there was, I think everybody was still looking for something else. Would you ever run for governor or Senate or anything else? Wouldn't have people talk about me? They're talking about you anyway, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're talking about you anyway, man. <laughs> you know, it was a, you know, maybe, you know, one time there was a thought of that possibility. And then, then you get to a point where, okay, it's, you know, matter, maybe or you get to an age and you go, all right, you know, you might not. Right, Rocky, it hasn't, it hasn't stopped Biden and Trump. I think they're both older than you. <laughs> well, <laughs> they then you got to, you know, it both, not easy. Yeah. Trump is a, Trump is a, Joe is <laughs> a couple of years. And then you go, oh my God, you know, then I'd have to wear dark glasses all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, let me give you, I want to give you an easier one to run with because it, it's, it's Super Bowl week. The whole world is watching the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of feels like every day is a Super Bowl of politics, but this is a time I think when everybody could come together, everybody loves the game. They're, they're united in this one common thing we're all watching and, and it still feels huge and it gets people excited. I think we've got this great matchup with the chiefs and the Steelers. Let me ask you, Rocky, what's your take on the game? And, and if you're comfortable, make a prediction. Well, how do you see this? You know? It's kind of, it's kind, I just kind of, I'm uh, to say the Steelers. But, I'm sorry. Did I say the Steelers? Did I say the Steelers? Oh, they got Steelers on the brain, man. I think it's the Steelers. That's Sorry, I don't want to speak of the Eagles. I'm a Giants fan. So I don't even speak of them. Yes, it's the chance of the Eagles. Thank you, Rocky. That's right. But when it comes down to when it comes down to the game, okay, fine. You know, somebody's going to have to make a choice somewhere. So you either hate the, hate the Eagles, you know, and or um, you're going to get a root for the Eagles. I mean, I, I, I am, I am rooting for the Eagles basically because I think that they deserve to be where they are. They got a great defense, uh, offensively. Um, they've, uh, they've proven themselves, you know, it just, they, they, and anything can happen as we well know. I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a game of this nature and, um, uh, uh, depends on how Mahone will heal and you know, how, 
with that. And, and give him two weeks, I, I, he's going to be fine, you know, within the game. So then it, then it, then, and in all honesty, then it boils down to that one mistake or the one mystery or the one tip ball or the one great play, you know, that changes the direction, the course. Of, and that, I think, is the exciting thing about a game of this nature, especially two teams that have proven themselves to be where they are, you know, has the personnel um, and, and has the fan base. And so you go, okay, fine. I love to be watching those games and to see who makes the mistake, who comes up with the big play, who's got the one-handed catch, you know, or makes the great open field tackle or whatever it might be. And, uh, um, and, and, and it's kind of a test. So, but in this case, you know, I'm just personally, I'm kind of rooting for the Eagles to, to, to come on on top. I still love you despite that. I still love you. Your team's not your team's not in it. I know, but it's usually, you know, the Giants or anybody who's playing the Eagles, right? I mean, or anybody who's playing the Cowboys. I mean, we could go down the list. You, you know, you know that you know you sound just like politics, you know. No, that's not possible. I will go to the Giants. I am a Giant Giants through and through. I'm not gonna say, oh, you know what? I'm this one I can I'm, I'm on the record. I think I think the Eagles are gonna win. I think they're a fantastic team. They look like a machine, right? Right. But, but I'm not, I'm a giant it's through, through and through. I thought, I thought about what to wear. And for the folks who are watching on video, I tried to find the old Steelers jersey that Cower gave me, and I couldn't find that. But I did wear a Go Army oh, shirt. Army. Right? That's pretty good. I figured it would be one thing that you and I root for the same team. We root for Army. So I got my Go Army, Army. Beat, beat Navy <laughs> shirt on yeah, in, in your honor. Um, Thank you. Rocky, you're going to stick around for a couple extra questions for our Patreon members. So Patreon members, thank you for your support. Stick around for that. We'll ask him the drink question and others. Um, but Rocky, just maybe last question for you, man. Um, you look back on all the Super Bowls. You look back on your service. You look back on your family and, and building so many things and contributing in so many ways. Um, what are you most proud of, sir? What are you most proud of when you look back on all that you've done and, and all that you learned? Oh, you know, yeah. I, I really, I, 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 there's a couple of things. I'm really, you know, I, I, the most, I, the thing I'm most proud of is the, is, are my kids, you know, and I, and I have to say that, you know, everybody does and so on. But the point is, is that you, you look at what you created and were you know, a part of and helped raise. Uh, you know, young men and women, uh, that go on from here and, uh, and, uh, and, and see what they've done and get them through tough times or that, you know, so, you know, just the fact of being a dad, you know, mm -hmm. so, I, I, you know, I, I'm really most, most, most proud of it or having that opportunity to, to be able to do that. And then, and, and, and I, I don't want it just as a, as a passing by kind of remark, but I think it's important for the. I, I think it really is. And, and I think you ask that to any parent, you know, I, I don't care what experience you have, but it is, you know, the impact that you have on what you can do with these kids and how they respond, you know, then they get older and then you have arguments. And <laughs> but anyway, you look back at, well, okay, fine. At least they had an argument or they have, they have an opinion or, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what you gave them an opportunity to do and live their lives and become young men and women and hopefully. And so I'm very fortunate. Seven grandkids and, um, 
lot of my older kids and I got two young ladies that are 23 and 24, um, uh, in my, in my life at this time. And so it's, it's great to be able to relive those, uh, in, 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 from that. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. You have so much to be proud of. And, you know, I was prepping for this conversation and it's like talking to a real life Captain America. I mean, you are, you are, you are the best of what this country is all about. Uh, you've been a champion in so many ways, and I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, you've inserted yourself into this independent movement. We've needed a leader that I think transcends so many things. And I think you are a leader in this movement in a way, in a time where we really need it. And you've got that, that elder statesman experience and that on the ground toughness. And, you know, you're still a grunt at heart and in all the right ways. And, uh, it's a tremendous honor to have you on the program, a tremendous honor to know you. And I just want to thank you for all you've done for this country, uh, for, for your community and, and for the next generation and so many generations to come. It's, it's a tremendous honor to be able to spend time with you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. And, uh, go chiefs. (laughs) Stay vigilant, my friend. Stay vigilant, Rocky. Man, that was one of the most humbling conversations I've ever had on this show and I've ever had in my life. I think Rocky shows us that the true helpers are out there. He's one of them. From 16th round pick to Super Bowl legend to American hero, a truly important, inspiring, and iconic American, and a man who's always helped others. In the show notes, I'll post a link to an NFL Films clip with footage of him playing and about his recovery. It's really inspiring. You got to check it out. And check out Fighting Back, the Rocky Blyer story. It's a 1980 made-for-TV movie about Rocky, played by Robert Urich. And and you can check out his book, Fighting Back, that he co-wrote with Terry O'Neill. I'll link to that in the show notes. And check out Rocky's website. It's, of course, RockyBlyer.com. He's a true legend, a true hero, and definitely a true helper. Always look for the helpers. There were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Check out the hashtag look for the helpers on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and share yours. Flag for me a helper that you've seen running in when others are running out. When you're on social media, be sure to follow us everywhere and play Guess the Guess with me every Wednesday. I posted a mysterious picture of Rocky Blyer. You didn't know it was Rocky Blyer, but it showed the four Super Bowl rings, and a couple people got it right. Now, last week, Liz Rourke got it correct on Facebook and guest Rachel Maddow. Delfino Sanchez, of course, got it on Twitter because he's like the Tom Brady of guest to guest. He wins all the time, and he might be cheating. But he's playing every Wednesday, guest to guest. You can find us and guest to guest. And this week, our friend Rich Cohen gave it a shot. He's a civil engineer and cyclist. Shout out to Rich Cohen. He had an interesting guess. He said Adam Vinatieri, which was a good guess, but wide right. Close, but no cigar. But no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you should check out independentamericans.us. Go to our website where you can find this conversation with Rocky and video. You can also support this show by joining our Patreon community, which many of you have done in the last couple of weeks. So thank you for joining our Super Bowl winning team of content. Our new patrons want to give them a shout out. Tony Denton, 
Andrea Jones, and Bronte Austin. The big three that joined our Patreon crew of vigilant people, and you're going to get some extra special Rocky Blyer content. If you're a Patreon member, you'll see video and audio. You can take your pick and no ads. And I ask Rocky Blyer his favorite drink, his first car. I ask him to tell us a PG rated story about his old buddy and our past guest, Shad Meshad. And he has an epic Rocky Blyer answer for pancakes versus waffles. It's a true touchdown. You got to check it out. It's at independentamericans.us. As we saw at the State of the Union this week, America is more divided than ever. But we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that. We're trying to put together a true team that can add light to contrast the heat of all the other political dialogue and podcasts. So if you're among the 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. This is your team. If you're a Republican or Democrat and you're not that loyal to your team, this is your show. Or if you're just a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. This is your team. All are welcome. And we invite you to be a part of this solution. Our independent movement is part of the solution. And we're overcoming the odds. We're winning the big games. And one day, we will create a dynasty. Just like Rocky Blyer and the Steelers. course i'll be tweeting about it and i'll talk about it next week i also have been doing the rounds in the media want to give a shout out to tavis smiley uh, who's been a guest on this show he's a host on kbla in la i did a great conversation with tavis smiley about not really the super bowl but we talked about the grammys we talked about the spy balloon we talked about the independent movement great conversation i'll link to it in the show notes a reminder every thursday at 11 a.m eastern you can check me out in a new weekly segment on news nation with marnie hughes we talk national security, vets, politics, and occasionally some football. And I will challenge Marnie to a Super Bowl bet. That's Thursday on News Nation. And I'm going to do the Cuomo thing again at some point. We'll let you know on social media Friday nights. We'll do I'll Drink to That. You can call in. You can join me. You can have a drink. We can hang. We can toast to the Super Bowl. And if there's breaking news or Cuomo has some other stuff going on, I will do it on my Instagram instead. So look out for that. We'll do I'll Drink to That to end the week, and I'll raise a toast, and maybe you can join me there. You can hit me up on all the social media platforms. You could subscribe and do all those things. And together, we can win the biggest game of all, which is the game to win the future of America. Now, last episode, I talked about how the Super Bowl is one of those very few shared experiences that can actually bring us all together in America. And how, with my heart, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. But with my head, I'm picking the Eagles to win. But no matter who you pick, or if you're just watching for the commercials, or for Rihanna's halftime show, or maybe not at all, it'll bleed into the week of almost all Americans. Super Bowl Sunday has become like an unofficial American national holiday. And like very few holidays, mostly the ones that aren't defined by religion, like Halloween and New Year's Eve, We'll all be united in the experience. And it's unfortunately rare, but it is a good thing. Because football is a huge part of American culture. Like it or not, the game is on. And like America, football is going through some pretty dramatic changes and filled with controversy. 
Like America, football is hated by some, loved by many, and unavoidable in its influence. And like America, if football will continue to thrive in the decades and centuries to come, it must adapt. It must adapt, improvise, and overcome. It's one of the great mantras I learned in the Army, one that Rocky Blyer lives by, and I've often shared on this show. And football is adapting. Not just around head injuries and safety protocols, and not just by turning the entire Pro Bowl into a flag football game. Football is expanding its aperture to better include women. If you haven't heard, flag football is blowing up, especially for girls. In the decade leading up to 2019, the number of girls playing flag football in U.S. high schools doubled. And this week, California was the eighth state to sanction girls' flag football as a high school sport, joining Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, and New York. One girls' flag football coach had a great comment to the New York Times. She said, I don't really think everybody understands how big this is going to be. I'm going to kind of compare it to the U.S. women's soccer surge years ago. I think it's going to be like wildfire. And I think that's right. Women's flag football is spreading like wildfire, and much more productively than the stupid. It's spreading everywhere, and so is our independent movement. The movement of people who are rejecting the status quo, the two-party duopoly, the organizations and institutions and leaders that have taken us for granted. Our independent movement is about leaving the herd, reclaiming your family name, owning your agency, and declaring your independence. That's the unique and independent spirit of America, and a unique and truly independent spirit of football, and the unique and truly independent spirit of our movement, and of leaders like Rocky Blyer. I hope you enjoyed this episode and my conversation with Rocky. If you did, please share it far and wide. It's free. Share it, kick it out there to everybody you know, and look for the video on YouTube. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. We're all in this together. Just like Rocky said, whether it's in an army platoon, in a hospital ward of wounded warriors, on an NFL team, in a small business in Pennsylvania, in a family, or in a country. We're all in this together, especially in this country. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Sunday night is almost here, so enjoy the Super Bowl and stay vigilant, America. Powered by Righteous Media.